example of the prodigal's father before us. So shall we turn to Luke 15? We won't read the whole thing. We'll start with the third part of the parable of the lost, the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. This is the lost son we're going to read about in verses 11 through 32. So hear the word of the Lord. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divideth unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field, fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. But, and no man gave unto him. And he came to himself, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again, and he was lost, and is found, and he began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brothers come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, oh, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And it was meet that we should make merry and be glad. But this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, make this most uh, famous and well-known parable, like the parable of the Good Samaritan, ring in our hearts with hope and gladness at the prospects that are set forth here 
of good things to come in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow's Father's Day, am I correct? Well, okay, I'll do it early. <laughs> this is the first time I've done this, by the way. We had a men's fellowship next week, and I went to it yesterday. <laughs> uh, it's not good to be too much in advance, okay? So take heed. Next Monday is Father's Day. Sunday. <laughs> oh, well, that's a new one to me. Is it Sunday? Oh, I have a lot to learn still. <laughs> so a week from today is Father. You want me to s switch back to, to Philippians today and then we'll do this next. Uh, <laughs> I knew I was in for a surprise day, but I didn't realize this was it. Okay. What can we learn about another father of the past for next week? Focus. The focus of this passage is the lost sheep, the lost silver and the lost son especially the lost son the one who is called the prodigal which is a word that means extravagant even wasteful a wasteful son you know what that means right you take the things that are for say designated for food and you use it for going to the movies or buying some thing that you don't need I think we who read the Bible, our Bibles, already know much about the prodigal son. Over the 50 years that I've been in the faith, I don't know how many times I've encountered this story and even taught it. But how much do we know about the prodigal's father? First, a father's silence. I will reread, uh, not all, but, but parts. And so let me reread from... 11 through 15 again. He said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And we know the rest of the story, what he did with that, right? Nothing said here specifically about the father, except when the younger son asked for his inheritance in advance. Oh, that's not all that common, is it? I mean, I don't know of anyone that does that, but I suppose with trust nowadays, if you have a living trust, you can potentially do that. The father must have been grieved as much as this son was glad. If dad gave any parting advice, which is his, his right as a father to, to do, it doesn't indicate that here, does it? And so after the shock and the sadness and the grief subsides of this unreasonable request by his son, no doubt he had an ongoing concern for his wayward son. Have you experienced that before with your children? We have. As long as he was out there living for the world, and you don't know what's happening to him. You don't know where he is. You don't know who he's with. You don't know what he is doing. You're concerned. And that never stops. It's like that picture of that praying mom. 
behind every child is a, a Christian in a Christian home is a praying mom and their only consolation is the Lord such as when the Bible says be full of care for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God in other words be very very specific in your praying and there's nothing too small nor too great that God will not receive and consider and answer and his answer ultimately will always be and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus next a father's generosity In verse 17 and when he came to himself he said how many hard servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. This is seen, that is the father's generosity, is seen in his granting his younger son's request for the inheritance already. The father is so well off, as we can see from the words of the son, that he could afford to have many hired, that is, paid servants. Someone wrote, he, that is the son, was thinking of their great number and counting them over. He thought of those that tended the cattle, of those that went out with the camels, of those that watched the sheep, and those that minded the corn, and those that waited in the house. He ran them over in his mind. His father was great in the land and had many servants. Yet he knew that they all had of the best food enough and to spare. He's well off to have many hired servants, his father was, and could afford to be generous to them all, to the max. And yet here, his son, one of his only two, heir apparent, practically starving to death. It turns out that the fresh carob pods or locust beans that the prodigal fed the swine aren't edible to human beings. He tried it. Bah! About these carrot pods. Like what we get carrot from, right? You know, chocolate tastes good when it's refined, right? When dried, people use the carob fruit, pods and seeds and all, for medicine and in foods. Carob is used for diarrhea, diabetes, Prediabetes, persistent heartburn, obesity, athletic performance, and high cholesterol. No wonder he said, I perish with hunger. Next, we're considering a father's love. Verse 20, and he arose, and he came to his father. You don't know how hard that, that must be, unless you've been in his shoes before. The closest I came was when I had a father, my first father and son talk. My father is not the talking type, okay? My mom, that's a different story, but my father, uh-uh. And before I got married, my dad had come to the Philippines as he was prone to do every other year. And it happened to be I was there for my first time, and I was, or the second time, actually. And it was 
uh, courting someone that was outside of the township, and he, ha he said, I have to talk with you, son. I've been hearing all kinds of things <laughs> in the community because we're all relatives just about. And uh, it doesn't sound too good. doesn't sound too good. And you know what? That was hard. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I was, I was there like, oh, my first father and son talk. <laughs> so it was a mixed, uh, bitter, bittersweet uh, uh, moment for, for, for me. The son said to him, Father, oh, sorry. It says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him over and over and over again. <coughs> now, we're, we're also not a kissing family, by the way. <laughs> but there was a time when my dad kissed me, okay? But anyway, uh, this is what happened. And what did the son say to his father? Father, I have to get this off my chest. I've sinned against heaven and against you. Forgive me. Make me as one of your hired servants. And no longer your son. Father, as far as what is noted in the text, didn't have a word to say, to say edgewise about that. Behold what manner of love a father has given unto a wayward, untoward son. When he was yet a great way off, he saw him. Which means to say he was looking for his return. The prodigal did not see his father first, but the father, his son. And though his son was not conscious of it, his father had been waiting his return for weeks, maybe even months. I tend to say probably not years, and this is why, because it's highly doubtful, considering how easily and quickly money slips through one's fingertips, that young profligates that are born with a silver spoon in their mouth burn their money in a matter of seconds. At the same time, it could be said that the memory of a loving father never waned in the prodigal's heart. He knew his father well enough. He knew that he'd be there for him, even when he wasn't there for him. And he could always come home. Sure enough, instead of anger, there was great compassion awaiting him how could he tell? His father saw him first and ran to him, ran to him. He would think after what he did, you know what this means, right? And it did not stop there. After he saw his son, he had compassion on him. His heart just melted. He could see his son as a changed man, for one. And it says he ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. But what does this tell us but of the yearning love of a parent, even a father? So when his son confessed to him, Father, look what I did to you. I hurt you in a way that, I, that not, nothing else could have devastated you and, and, and undeserving of your love and your receiving me back. But his father was like tone deaf, like he didn't hear a thing he said. No reply, no response, such as, son, I'm glad you realized what you did wrong, repentance accepted. 
or even, son, you finally came to your senses and returned home, which is the typical thing you hear from dads, right? <laughs> I, I even gave such advice to one of our sons this morning on the phone. But isn't that the nature of love? Maybe there was a brief flurry of words like, son, you had your mom and I worried to death. Where were you? You didn't call or send someone to bring a message. But here, it's not the case that we can tell. And ultimately, again, it's the nature of fatherly love. As the Bible says, love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Yea, love never fails. Here's a story of a mother's love to kind of balance the picture out because mom was there, although she was not the focus of the story as the father happened to be. Some time ago, a, devout, a devoted Christian worker in Edinburgh finding a young woman, one of the fallen, in rapid decline, earnestly entreated her to go back to her home. Maybe this was one that she had been working with, had been mentoring, had been discipling for the kingdom. No, she said, I cannot. My parents would never receive me. Isn't this how you often think, especially when you haven't had communication for a long time? You think the worst, the worst case scenario. It's like me as a pastor, when I don't hear from you or I, I don't get in touch with you, I think worst case, and I thank God that in in the headquarters there there, there is a communications <laughs> that put the pastor's heart at ease as to where the flock are. Okay. Reading on. Her Christian friend knew what a mother's heart was. So she sat down and wrote a letter to the mother telling her that she had met her daughter who was deeply grieved and wanted to return. Sometimes you need a third party. Third party is, yeah, last resort, but sometimes if you can't do it, you know, the two, the two of you, that's what you had to do. That's what this devout Christian worker in Edinburgh was to this young woman and her mother. The next post brought an answer back and money along with it for the journey. And on the envelope was written, immediately, immediately. <laughs> that was a mother's heart. She fully forgave and desired the earliest possible return. Unquote. Next, a father's joy. It says in verse 22 through 24, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. If you're in the Philippines, it'd be the fatted pig. <laughs> For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Wow. Woo. Live it. Let's have a party. His father ain't going to treat his son, long lost son, who was found like his hired servant. Never in a million years. Listen to the father's instructions to his hired servants. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Merry. It's an old Saxon Middle English word whose meaning has since 
become marrow to a season of the year. But in the original, it means rejoice and be glad, be happy. In other words, let us eat and rejoice. Isn't that what you do? Uh, isn't that why you have to have food? I tell you, if you don't have food, there's something missing. <laughs> it really and truly is exemplary of friendship. In the Middle East, but not only there, but in every country in the world, I found out. And why? For this, my son was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And they rejoiced with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then finally, this leads us to a father's grace. Father's grace. The elder son heard the music and dancing and asked one of his servants, what's going on? And that's not the song either. Your long lost brother's back. Your father's throwing a welcome home party in commemoration of his safe and sound return home. That's what it is. And what does it say in verse 28? And he was angry and would not go in. He would never, never go into that party. And so father, upon hearing of that, personally came out to invite him in. First thing he heard was, Dad, you never did that for me. And look how I was here with you and for you 24-7 all the days of your life and mine. Or all the days of my life and yours. Your son who devoured all your living with wine, women, and song. What do you do? You throw a party for him. Without batting an eye. Without realizing what a scumbag he is of a, of a son. Son. You are my son. You always will be. And everything I have is yours. But think about this. Your brother was as good as dead and six feet under. And now he's back. Does that mean anything at all to you? And he's here with us. And we are going to rejoice. Come and join. In application, was there ever a father of a publican? A parable, which is what this is, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus is teaching the cold and callous Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, the religious leaders of his day, what the meaning was of God's love. It says in the beginning of this passage, which we didn't read, in verse 1 of Luke 15, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. That wasn't a commendation. That was anything but... These publicans or tax collectors are mentioned in the same breath along with sinners who are the harlots, the prostitutes, the women of the night. All in one breath. They did not even try to live according to the standards that we have set up as, as the rabbinical rulers of, of, of the nation. They're definitely of ill repute. Leave them alone. 
Don't get near them, Jesus, if you, if you know what's good for you. The Pharisees and scribes, as a rule, tend to love their own. In fact, isn't that our tendency as a whole? Uh, who do you sit with when you eat? It's the people you want to sit with, right? And oftentimes they're the same people. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it takes the pastor to go from table to table. Not a, not, a, not a big criticism, but it just shows that we're the body of Christ. That uh, We need to mingle. We need to you know, get to know the whole body. We need to uh, get to know uh, the whole church, as it, as it were. And not to be enclosed either to our church, but to realize that there's a, a church out there that's all over the place. And not to be so narrow-minded that you can't see the forest for the trees. But according to the Lord, uh, what is this? He said, for example, in Matthew 5, 46, For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. So no one is, 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 is left out. But even the publicans. But before them were the Pharisees and scribes. I'll just make that additional note. Nevertheless, the Lord doesn't give up on any of us. He didn't give up on the religious leaders because he was a long-suffering teacher who lived by example. And later he'd be visited by one of them, Nicodemus, right toward the end of his ministry, in which he would tell Nicodemus, John 3, 16 and 17. What is John 3, 16 and 17? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What does that tell us? But that God loves sinners. God loves sinners like you and I. And he doesn't discriminate between one and another sinner. He doesn't discriminate between those who are hard and callous and and, 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 and vile to the max, like religious leaders and, and even our civic leaders that have such authority over others that have a lot of accounting to do and will in the day of judgment. Or those like you and I that are on the street, as it were. God is our Heavenly Father. This prodigal's father is none other than our Heavenly Father. Such is our Heavenly Father's love. Such as in Romans 5, 8. Where it says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when we were good people, with just a few flaws, of course, you know, because Christ had to die for something. Oh no, it was when we were sinners, when we were <clears throat> sinful and underneath God's opprobrium because of our wretchedness and our wickedness that exude even from our very being, from our very hearts, which are deceitful and desperately wicked. And who can know it except God? You can't even know your own wretchedness apart from the grace of God. And even then, you're only starting to know what you truly are and what he has saved you from. And this is 
the heavenly Father, our heavenly Father's love. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me is love. That's a song which I'm not going to sing. I'd really love to sing that for you, but it's not the time, but maybe another time. And our Lord, who says that if a man love me and keep my words, my Father will love him, and we will come unto him. And where I am and will be, you will be there. Such is our Heavenly Father's joy that he would say that it would be said of him, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with what? Joy. He will rest in his love, he will joy over thee with sing. Does that sound like a negative God? Does that sound like a God without compassion? No, the very opposite. The very opposite. Even as our Lord says that these things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. I'd like to close with another quote. There's some really, really good quotes. This one is a little bit longer, but bear with me. Imagine if we had no Heavenly Father. A lot of us don't have our fathers anymore, right? A lot of us may have, some of us may have, in fact, been orphans and never known our fathers. I know some that, that don't know their fathers. I have a great granddaughter who is not with her father, but with her mother only. W. Hay Atkin wrote, remove the word father from this sentence and you rob it at once of all the wondrous pathos that lies in it and that has so often brought tears to the eyes of the penitent and, con and contrition to his heart. Let us say, O sovereign king, I have sinned against thee, and we may tremble, but we do not weep. O judge of all, I have sinned against thee, and perhaps we tremble still more, but our hearts don't melt. But let us say and feel, Father, I have sinned against you and your fatherly love for me. And lo, our hard heart begins to break, and the unbidden tears most likely begin to rise. What a doubly damnable sin to sin against a father and such a father. A young man at one of our meetings to whom I had spoken on the previous evening said to me, when I went home last night, I took up my Bible and began to read. I had not read very long when I came to these words, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And I can tell you, it pretty well broke my heart. I lay awake just sobbing for I don't know how long repeating over these words Father, I have sinned Father, I have sinned Unquote. so again you may not have a living father or never had a father that you knew but I'll tell you what if you're a child of God you have one and you have one for keeps so worship him, praise him adore him, love him rejoice in him, shall we pray Father in heaven, we are thankful that we can call you our Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And thank you for your forgiveness, for your love that would forgive us of our sins and that would receive us as if we were your very own sons from, from the get-go. Only we know that we are, by adoption, your children. But we praise you nonetheless because we are as loved as your son Jesus is loved by you. And we thank you for that. 
do praise you for this opportunity to hear about uh, you.